For many of us, Nature Playgroup is where our journey into business has started. And for me, Playgroup was my weekly anchor for the first five years as my new role as a mother. And I guess the reason that Wildlings Forest School and the now the Raising Wildlings podcast uh, came into being. Come with me as I share my nature playgroup journey. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure. Before we start, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Kabi Kabi and the Gubby Gubby people. We honour their songlines and storylines and pay our respects to the elders past, present, and those that are emerging. I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this episode. Welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host today, Vicky Oliver, and I really wanted to jump on here today to talk to you all about how Playgroup has shaped my entire existence as a mother and my business and I guess our whole trajectory of where I am right now in life. So, um, and because I got to spend some fantastic time at Playgroup, which I haven't done for a really long time, a few weeks ago um, when we started our Sunshine Coast Playgroup back up uh, for term one. And it was so, so much fun and it brought back so many memories. And for a few weeks now, I've been wanting to record this podcast. So here I am. But just before I start anything, I also wanted to let you know that if you are interested in building your own business, whether that's starting with playgroups or really branching out into the amazing space of nature play, wild play, adventure play, any sort of nature business, we are actually going to be opening our wild business course up mid-year. Now, it's for any early childhood change makers or childhood change makers who are ready to take the leap and create their own nature play business that's deeply rooted in community and purpose, just like Wildlings. By using our proven roadmap to success, we'll save you time, money and stress by helping you navigate the muddy waters of regulation, ratios, insurance and permits, just to name a few. At the end of our course, you'll have everything you need to hit the ground running with your own flourishing nature play business and you can find out more or join our wait list at wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash wild dash business. Okay, playgroup. Oh my goodness. Nature playgroup or my playgroup that I started when my daughter was around 18 months old was and still is some of the most my most cherished memories between me and my children. So I'm going to take you back to how it all started. I'll give you a bit of a, a insight into exactly how I came to be the facilitator of a nature play group, how Nikki and I met, and then what it was that I actually got out of being at playgroup. And then I want to talk a little bit about my observations as a facilitator and watching and learning so much more about childhood development and how this changed me as a facilitator over time. So let's go back to the very beginning. When my eldest was about two months old, we, me and my husband moved to Mackay. And obviously being a new mother, 
and living in a new place meant that I really was in search of some connection with other mothers. So I found a beautiful group of women and I was introduced then as I got to know them to this amazing little Steiner play group and I absolutely adored it so much. It was in a tiny little hall and it had the most beautiful handmade toys and wooden toys and but most importantly the rhythm of the session was just amazing and the people that were there were just such beautiful beautiful women and after a while uh, the facilitator had to move on because her child was going to school and I decided to take it over so that it would continue and I absolutely just loved having something to do having some purpose and knowing that I was doing something for me and my girls and so I had taken it over when I was pregnant with my second daughter and um, I remember even taking her in the very first weeks to playgroup because we, we just adored it so much. Very soon after that, we moved to the Sunshine Coast and I was desperate to find something that I loved as much as I loved this playgroup. And much to my dismay, there wasn't anything at all that I could find that ticked all the boxes or would recreate what I had in Mackay. So I decided that I would take the leap and maybe try something, try starting something myself. So I did that. I reached out to, we have this fantastic playgroup center where you can hire the space to run playgroups. And they were so supportive of me starting this style of playgroup. But the problem became that the only time I could get in at the playgroup center was during nap time. So it was like 11 till one or something ridiculous because all of the other mornings were taken up with um, just general playgroups. And so I persisted with this for a little while, heaps of inquiries, heaps of people wanting to join, but just people couldn't commit because their children were sleeping or napping or it was just before or just it was just the worst timing and so I had to start to think outside of the box like how was I going to run this playgroup and at this stage as I said it was more of a Steiner influenced playgroup it wasn't necessarily a nature play one and I started to think you know what I actually love getting around to all my favorite places on the Sunshine Coast why don't I make it more of a roving playgroup where we meet in all of our amazing parks and playgrounds and wild spaces so I started to uh, reshape the playgroup and make it a little bit more about being outside in nature as opposed to being specifically more about that Steiner influence which was still there um, but it just morphed into something a little bit different and that playgroup I met so many of my friends and friends that I still have now, the amount of connections and community that I was able to surround myself with was something that I just, I can't even explain how important it was for me. And I just, it really did give me this sense of purpose. You know, obviously being a mother was a huge part of my identity at the time, particularly when we've got little children, but I was able to actually give back and help other mothers be connected um, over things that we were really passionate about at the time. And to this day, we still have so many of those friendships, connections and community. One day I was sitting down and these two women came to playgroup. It was actually on my youngest second birthday. So I'd been running the playgroup for two years and they sat down next to me. And one of those women was Nikki, who's my now business partner and co-host of Raising Wildlings. And I have to say, I've never really sat next to someone and just felt like we were living mirror image lives. And it was like everything that Nikki said, I was like, me too. And everything I said, she was like, me too. And it just started, there was a spark there of like, we really should do something together. 
this is a person that I could work with to create something. And from there, we started to get together and brainstorm some ways in which we could break free from, you know, we're both teachers, but we didn't want to go back to teaching and uh, having a skill set there and an idea that would help support a lifestyle and a community of people that we wanted to support and to be part of to create for our own children. And that's where it started from. We wanted to create something for our own children. And that was the same with Playgroup. Create what your children need. That's what we did. And we built upon that. And uh, for those of you that don't know the Wildlings journey, we actually started more with a homeschool co-op before it became the forest school. But uh, the more that we sort of delved into homeschooling and nature play, everything sort of just came to the surface and we found the forest schooling philosophy really aligned so much with how we wanted to raise our children. I was still running the playgroup alongside that, so it wasn't actually part of Wildlings at first, but after a while we're like, you know what, I don't know why I'm running this separately. And by that stage too, when I first started playgroup, um, the activities were very different to what I was doing now. So obviously I was on Pinterest a lot and I was looking at things that I wanted my own children to experience and creating those and bringing all the materials. And after a while I, I thought to myself, you know what, I probably do need to charge something to recuperate the cost of running the playgroup and also the fact that you turn up. I turned up. I don't think I've ever been so committed to something. I think that in the six years or seven years that I ran playgroup, I probably missed five days over those years because it was just like Tuesday was just my holy day and that was the day that I was committed to taking our, our children somewhere and the only time I missed it was when we were literally going on a holiday. I don't even think, I mean, we've hardly ever been sick, so I don't think I even missed that many days due to sickness or even bad weather. We were that lucky. So eventually we decided if I'm going to be putting effort into the playgroup, it sort of lends itself well to where the wild things grow, which is where we started. So I bought that in underneath and decided to make that part of the business. But once I started to make that part of the business, a few things shifted. Number one, when you're just a community-led group, just someone out of the blue who's running a group, you're not bound by the same sort of legislation, licensing and government approvals that you are when you become a business. So the first thing I had to do once I had decided to bring it in under the business is that we needed to, to obtain permission from our council to use the spaces that we were already using. So that required a fair bit of effort to map uh, and, you know, collate all of the information that the council needed and doing risk assessments and all of that sort of stuff in order to gain our permits. Now, it's funny now, um, not funny, it's the way that it was, but at the time paying a couple hundred dollars for a yearly permit when you're charging nothing for your playgroup was really hard. It was really, you know, like, scary I guess is probably the, the best word to describe it is that I'm using this money to to pay for a permit and I'm not actually earning anything back we're not earning a, a lot like what we were charging were covering costs it wasn't actually earning us any money and which is fine because at the start it was completely about me and my children and what we wanted but after a while and after years of it that commitment you know I started to feel like we ne I needed to be compensated. And not only that, and I guess something to consider as well when someone's facilitating a playgroup and their children are, are coming along with you is that my children had to sacrifice time and 
priority with me because I was helping other children and other families. Uh, I would not be able to drop everything and help them to do what they wanted to do while I was in the middle of a song circle or telling a story. I would often ask to use their things, their toys to help be part of my storytelling or some of their things for the craft activities and even sharing you know, our cart and things like that. Like it was really difficult for them to have to share me and our things with other people. So after a while, and I, and I absolutely firmly believe this now, is that we we need to be compensated for that. And that's something that people need to realise uh, when it comes to people running playgroups is that there is a commitment and an expense and a cost associated with that for those people to turn up for you every day. And those roles that we play, particularly women in supporting families, new families, young families, it's just expected that we do that, that we turn up and that we provide our free labour and ideation and time and and often money to support everyone else. Um, so we are very, very committed to flipping the script on that and and making sure that women are paid for the work that they're doing to support people to experience what we provide, which I think is invaluable. It was to me. So the nature playgroup had to change in that way. Um, so if obviously the the permits, but also insurance. So our insurances are now, to the, it's going up, obviously, like all insurances are. It's a very big expense for small businesses to take on, but at the same time, if you don't have that insurance, you don't cover yourself and your family if something does go wrong, not that we're negligent in any way, um, but that's just part of the risk of running these these sorts of activities for families. So it changed a fair bit and um, we, we did have to put our prices up and that's why you'll find now that a lot of nature play groups are probably a bit more expensive than your average traditional playgroup that you go to in a hall because we do have costs associated with running these groups that are different to running it in a hall. When you're running things outside, your insurance is going to be very, very vastly different. And also um, one way that some people do get around it is that they can be part of their state playgroup association and so you can fall under those insurances. Uh, but as soon as you leave somewhere, there are stipulations about fencing and ratios and stuff like that, which we push against. So when we, we don't follow a lot, like obviously the places that we do our playgroup in are not fenced, um, or mostly they're not, uh, and they are in wild spaces and there are uh, higher risks in those areas, which we believe we want to be around. We purposely go there to those places. Obviously, that that, that risk means that we have to pay a higher price for that. So. Uh, as soon as that happened, it's funny because actually Nikki's husband came to playing group. Uh, and so we had this core group of uh, families that would come every single week. And one of the things I did notice with our nature play groups that it isn't always just women. We have a very high proportion of fathers attending and grandmothers um, attending our play groups with their children. And that just made it so much more special because we felt like we were inclusive of everyone who was caring for children and uh, making it a space where people wanted to come and and spend time with us. So playgroup day for me, which was two hours, it's always been 9.30 to 11.30, nice and early in the morning in these amazing 
spaces. So we have places that have really shallow, beautiful creeks and waterholes. We have inland lakes and coastal lakes and rock pools and botanic gardens with nature play spaces like we have. We're so, so, so blessed. Uh, and I just have this nomadic nature in me where I wanted to go somewhere different every week. So I always got the best of both worlds when it came to wildlings. Our forest schooling sessions were always in the same place. So I got to see that change over time with the seasons, but playgroup was always roving. And that just filled my heart with exactly what I needed, which was to spend time outside in my favorite spot. So my favorite, favorite spot was always Point Cartwright, absolute still adore going there and showing children the secrets and the treasures you can find in the rock pools was something that I felt that I could really contribute um, as a point of difference for our community. And I still love doing that. So Playgroup became not just this two-hour session for a very long time. And I particularly around the ages when my kids were maybe five, four or five and six, that, that age range, it was a full day event. We were there from nine in the morning all the way through to sometimes three or four o'clock in the afternoon because we were just having such a fantastic time. Nobody wanted to leave. And it was like to this day have the most fun and fulfilling memories of being in playgroup. And over time, my activities that I provided changed. Some things stayed the same. So we always, um, I for years, was curating songs uh, that reflected the season. So I have, and I, we still do have um, seasonal song sheets. Actually, you can access those seasonal song sheets at wildlingsforestschool.com. And I would always be on the listening for songs that were about nature, about animals, wildlife, um, that had a bit of action to them so that we were doing the songs, not just singing the songs. And then I always loved doing my story time. Uh, my fantastic friend Sarah, has she makes these amazing felt play mats. So I would often um, use those as a backdrop and using little props to act out the stories. And I just uh, not many people, not many of our playgroup facilitators are comfortable with that, but I absolutely adored and still do love storytelling. And that's what um, that was the, the core of the group. Depending on the location, would uh, we would either explore or we would do a craft activity, but something simple. So something that I've learned about children who are younger, and our playgroups now really do cater more for that zero to three age group, but when I was running it, it went all the way up to however old my children were, and I think uh, my oldest was seven when we stopped. But the activities had to be simple. And at first they were often activities that I thought would impress the parents and often they did, but the trade-off for that is that the children couldn't often achieve the outcome from the activity. So the more complex the activity was but maybe it looked more beautiful or it looked more impressive at the end, the children couldn't actually achieve that without input from their parents. And I learned a lot about what is the point of offering that activity? Am I trying to impress the parents or am I trying to empower the children? Am I trying to give them an opportunity to be creative and to try something new and learn skills? And my own children taught me this lesson in that I would provide the materials for the activity and every time they would 
take those materials and make something completely different. For quite a fair amount of time, my daughters would take the materials and they would make the same thing every week. They loved it. They made, uh, particularly if it was seed pods and some sort of yarn or wool, they would make birds without fail with those seed pods every single week. Um, And so I started to try and change those activities so that they were more in service of the children and less about the parents. And having to have that conversation with them over time because we got feedback sometimes that, you know, we weren't providing enough. But having to educate people that your child does not require more sit-down-on-the-mat activities, they actually require just time and space to be in community, to explore the space, to use their senses, to use the space as um, used for whatever it is that they wanted to do. And another thing that I really noticed is that it often took an hour and a half for children to really feel comfortable in the session to start feeling comfortable and getting into it. So, you know, for the first hour, some of the children would, you know, stick really close to their parent or their caregiver or their and then by the end of the session, they were having so much fun that they actually didn't want to go home. But it, it took a very long time for them to get to that space. And it would often take quite a few weeks before that time broke down. And so they were able to feel a lot more comfortable from the start of the session rather than taking a bit of time to, to feel into it. That was a really, really common observation. It still happens to this day. It happens with older children. And once we have a better idea, that's the expectation then it takes away from, as the facilitator, the fear of providing more. I felt that for quite some time. I need to provide more. I need to be doing more. And I realized that I was doing that more for the parents and that the children weren't getting anything more out of the sessions. So it is really about explaining to parents that when it comes to taking children outside, you don't need to be doing all of the amazing things that look great on Pinterest or on Instagram because At the end of the day, when you dissect that and you dive deep into what your children are getting out of it, if you're doing the activity for them, you're taking that opportunity away from them and you're also sending the message that they are not capable of doing whatever it is and that can really damage their confidence and self-esteem and that's obviously not what we're trying to achieve with Playgroup. So the way that I facilitated the sessions evolved, continues to evolve. When I found myself down there uh, a few weeks ago, I really thought about how I would do things differently and continue to do things differently. And each group can be different. The the children that are in your sessions can be different from term to term and sometimes even week to week. So if facilitating a play group is something that you've been thinking about, my advice to you is to give yourself a little bit of grace in the way that you run it, to try new things and to, to just see whether um, the feedback is uh what you what feels good for you but to also make sure that you're really clear about the expectations so if you are writing about it if you're advertising on socials or on a website be really clear about what you do in your player groups and be very careful about uh, what you're posting on socials to make sure that people don't get the wrong impression about what you do in those sessions um, and and remember that it is about creating space and community for yourself because I know for me starting playgroup was less about my children when they're babies they don't need to be interacting with other babies that was all all about me and finding connection for me as a mother and to be able to talk about my triumphs and challenges as a mother and the way that I decided to 
to parent and to examine our ideas of being a modern day parent, that for me is why I started going. And if that is the reason why you are starting your playgroup to find the people that are on your same wavelength, then do it. Give it a go. Create that space. Even if you've got just a few people coming, if it's anything like my experience, you won't regret it. It was such a and like still is like such get goosebumps such an important part of the early years for my children and just lower your expectations lower your expectations of what you need to be providing in your playgroups um because remember you have to track everything in and out that's the other thing that um I, I like people to know is that you have to take everything the first aid kit all of the things that you need if you've got your own children attending so food and spare clothes, the craft activities, um, my song sheets, my story time things, that's a lot of gear to be taking in and out and sometimes the places that we were going to required us to park a million miles away and walk, which is great because that's where we wanted to be. But if you are going to provide a lot, you have to take all of that in and all of that out and remember that and get it out of your car and all of that sort of thing. So be really, really clear about what it is you're going to be providing in those sessions and helping people to understand developmentally what children actually need out of being in a playgroup. And a lot of the time it is about just having that accountability, turning up. For me, that accountability of being the one that ran the sessions meant that I turned up, as I said, every week for almost six years. You know, even on the windy or the the rainy days, they were some of the best ones. So if I have any advice for people is that if you want to start with a playgroup or if you were looking at starting an H-Play business, playgroup is a really, really fantastic place to start. And we can help you with that. We have a lot of experience. We've been running these for, um, well, as Wildlings for over five years now, but I've been running playgroups and H-Play business for the past almost 10 years now. So we can absolutely help you and to help you also with your mindset in running these programs as well. So if you're interested, we will be running a series of workshops and um, small trainings as well as a, a webinar on how to become, like how to shift from being an educator to an entrepreneur. And we're taking names on our wait list now, which is at wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash wild dash business. Uh, in the meantime, if you are already running a playgroup or you're interested in um, being part of or you're already part of a group and you're looking for new resources, we do have, uh, as I said, like our seasonal song sheets are available on the website, uh, which is at wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash shop. I think they're on. Um, and we've also got some fantastic free downloadables. So wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash free dash downloadables. So that's it. That's my journey with playgroup uh, as it's been an absolute pleasure to be of service to our community here to continue to do that and to teach other people how to create that for themselves and the people and the families that are around them so uh, if you have any questions about running playgroup or you want have any comments about that jump onto our instagram send us a dm or you can always send us an email at hello at wildlingsforestschool.com and as always guys we absolutely love doing this wild ride with you so until next time stay wild